Hey friends, welcome to the Life with Chris and Tatum podcast, where each week we'll talk about practical and relevant topics to help you live a life of freedom and purpose. Thanks for joining us today. For more information, please visit lifefellowship.tv. And now let's tune in with Chris and Tatum. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode with Life with Chris and Tatum. Really glad that you've chosen to join with us today. You are going to love today's episode. Uh, Before I do that, I just want to say a big shout out to everybody that is sharing these podcasts with your friends through whether you text them or email them or posting on social media. It just always does something to my heart when I see folks uh, just helping us to spread the word. And so a big thank you to you. And um, as well, if you feel comfortable, why don't you take a second and uh, rate the podcast, give us a five star and help us to rank higher uh, up in the search engines and all of those algorithms. And it's just, it would be a tremendous blessing. So today we're going to tackle a topic that I am so excited about, and we're going to talk about 10 life lessons that ministry has taught me. Now today I'm I'm by myself. Tatum had to go uh, attend to a couple different things, and so today it's just going to be you and I, and I want to just take you into my life. I want to take you into kind of what God has done in my life through ministry, and we're going to talk about some life lessons that I think are going to be very relevant, very applicable to where you're at, all right? So let's jump into it. Here's the first life lesson, and that's this. You and I, we need to, number one, discover your gift and operate in it. So don't just discover it. There's a lot of people that find out what they're supposed to do in life, and then they they don't never do it. You need to, to discover your gift and then operate in it. Um, in 1 Peter chapter 4, in verse 10, it says, as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So it says there that every one of us has received a gift. You have a gift. So discover it, but then operate in it. You know, if I, let me say it like this. If, if I try to swim, I look like a monkey in the water. If I try to play, play tennis, uh, which I'm not really that good at, I'd, I'd actually like to take some, you know, tennis lessons, but I actually, I mean, I I feel like I look like a giraffe out there trying to play. But listen, when it comes to working out in the gym, man, I get it. So that's where I focus my time. And so I would ask you, you know, what's your gifting? Is it sales, business, parenting, leadership, maybe numbers and crunching those things? Maybe it's art. Um, So whatever your gift is, find it. Go on an exploration, discover it. In fact, the tragedy is right now in the church world, 87% of the body of Christ does not know their gift and is not operating in it. I mean, that to me is a staggering statistic. Uh, it, It blows me away how many people year after year after year after decade after decade uh don't go on an exploration to find out their gift, and then they're not operating in it. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that. I think people are sometimes are nervous, they're scared, they don't, they feel like they're going to make a mistake. And I, th- I think, man, so what? 
So, so what if you fall flat on your face? Failure is not falling down. It's falling down and not getting back up. And so find your gift and operate in it. So let me ask you a question here. Think about this. What would you be doing right now if money was not an issue? So what would you be doing with your life? And this, when you answer that question, part of that helps discover your gift. And then, and I'm not just talking like I'm going to go, you know, vacation and travel the world, but like, what would you do for purpose? What would you do? Uh, and then here's the second question. What would you be doing if you knew you couldn't fail? I remember when I was in Bible college years and years ago, I was 19 years old. And the very first thing that one of my classes, my professor got up and that was the first statement he asked us. He said, what would you do? What would you be doing if you knew that you could not fail? And man, that just kind of took the lid off of my my thinking of what God could actually do through me. And what and what could God? What would you be doing in your uh, in your church, in your business, in your um, in your parenting, in your finances, in your life if you knew that you couldn't fail? So number one, we're going to have uh, ministry has taught me that you got to discover your gift and operate in it. Like, go for it. Make it happen, all right? Here's the second thing. Gifts change at different times in your life. So think about this. Your body changes as you get older. And I think that a lot of <laughs> a lot of us know that. Like when, obviously, you, you don't look like a child anymore. Uh, but those of you that are in your, you know, your late teens or your twenties, watch out. There's coming a day that you're going to be <laughs> in your thirties and forties. And, and then there's going to come a day you're in your fifties and sixties. And then your body changes even more in, you know, later on in life. You know, I've, I've always told, uh, students, I've said, Hey, eat whatever you want for the first half of your life, because the last half of your life, you can't eat <laughs> what you, what you want. But I, I found this out, some changes about your body. You might find this interesting. Older people may have almost uh, one-third more fat compared to uh, when they were younger. However, the layer of fat under their skin gets smaller. So older people have a third more fat compared to when they were younger, but the, but the fat underneath their skin, uh, the layer of fat gets, gets smaller. Uh, here's another interesting fact. People typically lose almost one half inch of height every 10 years after they reach the age of 40. <laughs> That's crazy. A half an inch every 10 years. So I'm I'm you know, I'm just shy of six foot. And uh, I mean th- that means that there's coming a day that I might be, you know, five foot, five foot eleven. That's crazy to think about. Listen, when for me, let me just life lesson. Here's what I've I've learned. Um, when when I started out in ministry, I was convinced that God had called me to be an evangelist, not a pastor, but an evangelist. And so, you know, I traveled the nation with one of my mentors. His name is Sam Farina, and we would go to all these you know, uh, youth camps and family camps. I'd go speak at, uh, we, I'd go with him and we'd go, you know, to all these big churches in America. 
And, you know, I was the guy that carried his briefcase around. And I just, you know, I was there to pray with people around the altar and I would set up his book table. And, and at so many of these different places, I had pastors that looked at me and said, wow, I like you. Can I hire you to be my youth pastor? And I said it over and over and over because I was convinced of it. I said, there's no way I would do that. I said, I'm not called to pastor. I am called to be an evangelist. And so I turned down many opportunities. Well, after my season of traveling with Sam was up, uh, I started asking people, you know, pastors, hey, can I come speak for, to your church? And can I, can I, you know, pray for the sick? And, and not a single pastor opened their, uh, their church up for me to speak. So like after four months of me, you know, asking people, can I come and speak? Can I please come and speak? Uh, I finally realized that maybe, just maybe, you know, what I thought was the gift in my life was actually something different because everybody else saw something else on me, and that's when you know I, uh, I, uh, there was a, a pastor up in Des Moines, Iowa, that was looking for a youth pastor, and and so I said, hey, I'd I'd like to put my my hat in the in the ring there, and boy, before you know it. Here I am serving, and the rest is history. And what God has done through, you know, uh, Tatum and I's life through pastoring would have never been accomplished had I not realized that, hey, you know what? Gifts change at certain times in my life. And there was a point where that was used when I was traveling with with, uh, Sam in that season of my life, but it changed. And so I would just tell you this. Go on an exploration of your gifts. Try them out. Let me say it like this. You'll never know until you do. You'll never know. Uh, so I, I always encourage people, try out a number of places here, you know, in the church and serve. You know, try kids ministry, try youth ministry, try tech arts. And you might know all, all of already that, you know, uh, singing is not your gift. But, you know, maybe it's, you know, leading a life group or um, uh, setting up events uh, you know, maybe you've got this outgoing personality. Uh, maybe, maybe it's to be in the correctional facilities, and but you'll never know until you do. So, number one, discover your gift and then operate in it. Don't just discover it and say, "Well, that was neat. I, that's good new information about me." No, come on, everybody, use that gift because you're going to give an account of how you, you stewarded that gift to the Lord someday. Number two gifts change at different times in your life. And so just learn to ebb and flow in them. Okay, here's the third lesson, and that's this. Love life, enjoy living, and laugh out loud. Come on, everybody. Love life, enjoy living, and laugh out loud. Psalms 118, 24 says, this is the day that the Lord has made. We're going to do what? We're going to rejoice and be glad in it. So like, you know, laugh, love, enjoy life because life is short. You know, it was a couple of years ago that I asked my my father, I, my dad pastors in Memphis. And uh, those of you that are listening, listening to Memphis, God bless you all. Uh, but I asked dad, he had done like, 30, 33 funerals that year. And I asked him, I said, Dad, what was the average age of the funeral that funerals that you have done this year? And you ready for this? Here's what he told me. He said, 59. 
I said, wait a second. What's the average age? He said, 59. Let me tell you, everybody, life is short. Laugh, love. I mean, enjoy life. And that's one thing that ministry has, has taught me. In fact, let me speak to the men for just a moment. Because uh, as men, we carry a lot of responsibility, okay? Uh, and this really is applicable uh, to the ladies as well. But let me just challenge men, because uh, it's in those times of pressure and stress that it's really easy to carry that weight into our homes, into the relationships. And I've always told guys that we as men, we need to be recharged weekly in four different areas. Okay. So if you're taking notes, why don't you jot this down? If you're not taking notes, you can jot this down. But four areas that men need to be recharged weekly. Okay. Number one is spiritually. Every day. Come on, everyone. Come on. Every day, we're going to walk with God. Every day, we're going to let God speak into our life. Every day, we're going to get into God's Word. Every day, we're going to spend some time worshiping our great King. Like, don't let a day go by that you don't spend some time with the Lord in prayer, in His Word, and in worship. So we need to be recharged spiritually. Number two is mentally. So what I mean by that is... uh, uh, find find some time uh, during the week to to read a book, to play a video game, uh, watch a movie, go to the movies. Just you know, maybe for you it's playing board games or um, playing chess or so. You know, just be recharged mentally. Okay, here's a third, and that's socially. Family, hang out with family. This is, you know, in your life group. This is time at church. That's, you know, taking your spouse out on a date. Uh, but we we need those those moments every week. And then the last one is physically. So this is, you know, where you're, you know, working out. Maybe you like to play basketball, mountain biking, something, you know, rock climbing, something that is physical. And if you're married, men. I would say sex. All right. So the four areas we men need to be recharged in weekly is spiritually, mentally, socially, and physically. And and let me just say this to to the men listening: it's never okay for a man to whine and mope around. Like that that that's never acceptable. Come on, guys, let's hold our heads up high. Let's walk tall. Let's walk with confidence. Laugh. Come on, everyone. Let let your kids, let let your wives, let let your employees, uh, let let your friends remember you as somebody who laughed and loved life. And honestly, I think that's who Jesus was. I mean, he was constantly laughing. I mean, he was he he had joy on the inside, and Scripture talks about that. And so, really important. Okay. Uh, and which, by the way, let me just say this before we go to our fourth one. If you haven't seen The Chosen, uh, you, you can download The Chosen app. You can watch it on YouTube. It, Tatum and I, uh, we watched that at night. And I mean, I, I don't think that there's been an episode that I have not sat there and just, I've cried right, right next to Tatum there. I mean, it's just powerful when you, the way that they tell the story. And, 
We, there's only two episodes of it, right? Two seasons, excuse me, two seasons. And so if you haven't watched it, watch it. If you've already watched it, watch it again, all right? And so really, really highly, um, uh, I can't speak highly enough about it, okay? Here's the fourth uh, life lesson that I've learned. All right, you ready for this? Don't make excuses. Instead, assume responsibility. Do you know that in the ancient the the ancient Romans they had a tradition that whenever one of their engineers constructed an arch as the capstone or the final center stone was hoisted in the place the engineer assumed the responsibility for his work in the most profound way possible that engineer would stand at the top of the arch in other words he was communicating I've put my work into this. I've put my effort. I have, um, this is not going to, if it falls, it's not going to be somebody else's um, responsibility. It's mine. So he would stand in the place and basically be the person to test the thing out, proving that I'm not going to make excuses for the failure of this. I'm going to assume responsibility. Abraham Lincoln once said, you cannot escape the responsibility of tomorrow by evading it today. And unfortunately, we're living in an entitled generation right now. It's a, uh, a, a poverty mentality. You know, the government owes me, my parents owe me, my, you know, the place that I work for, they owe me. And, you know, I'm the, the only reason why I'm here where I'm at right now is because of somebody else. And if they would have done whatever, then I could be farther ahead. And I'm just going to tell you that ministry has taught me that we're not to make excuses. Instead, we're supposed to take responsibility. And so take, take responsibility for your family's spiritual life. Take, take responsibility for your church. Don't just let somebody else shoulder that responsibility. You, you get in there. You, you leverage those gifts on the inside. Don't just let somebody else pay the electric bill, the light bill. Don't just let somebody else fund you know, missions or you know, be a part of uh, volunteering. No, you take responsibility. Uh, take responsibility for your retirement. Hey, everybody, there's somebody that's listening to me today that you have not put in the effort to start uh, saving for your retirement. And you think, well, I just can't afford it right now. And that may be the case, but you can start with something. Um, you can start seeing some things a little bit differently. I'll never forget I... I, uh, I had a pastor friend of mine, and uh, you know one of my in, in my hobbies is investments. So I got I got two hobbies: I got you know working out and investments. And I asked him one day. I said, you know, I said, hey, you're you're a whole. He, he was like forty five years of age at the time. I was like twenty eight, twenty nine. I said, man, I'm really wanting to learn about investments, and this is just like something that is in. Uh, ingrained on the inside of me. I just, I'm just so curious about this. I, I love this, this uh, the whole world of investments. And he told me, he said, man, don't ask me anything. Now, here's a pastor, 45. He has two children married. Uh, he said, I don't have anything saved. And I thought, okay, you're 45 years old. You don't have anything saved. And you and I, we need to take responsibility for, for that, you know? You, 
there's coming a day that you're not going to be able to work like you work right now. There's coming a day that you might have, you know, some, <laughs> you're going to slow down. Let's just say that. Didn't we just say that your body changes a second ago? And so we've got to take responsibility. We can't just shirk that responsibility and put it on the government and put it on others. We got to, how about this? Take responsibility for your health. Yeah, your, your health is massively important to you. Don't believe the lie that says you have to be unhealthy. No, you can change your health. You can change your eating habits. You can change your, uh, your exercise routines. And you don't have to be, you know, uh, CrossFit person of the year, but you can start taking walks and eating some salads and, and, you know, eliminating some, you know, sodas out of your life, not eating fast food uh, as often. And even when you're there, you can make smarter choices. But take responsibility. And ministry has taught me that. Because the truth is, it's easy to make excuses. I can make an excuse about anything I want in life, why certain things are not done. But mature people, they, they take responsibility. They take ownership. In fact, it's the, uh, it's the difference between a renter's mentality and an owner's mentality. <laughs> so when, whenever I go to the, the airport and I pick up a, a rent-a-car, isn't it true? I mean, I don't ever check the oil. Um, I, don't, I don't care if there's trash on the ground in the car. Uh, speed bumps become launching pads to me, everyone. Come on. I mean, I floor that bad boy and I see if I can get a little bit of air. But when it's my car, man, I take responsibility. I mean, I'm making sure that the, the car is neat and cleaned, that it's vacuumed out, that it's been washed. Uh, I, I make sure that it has the right, you know, the oil change happens when it needs to happen. Tires rotated, balanced, aligned. I'm going to take care of it because it's mine. And so take responsibility for your family, for your church, for your retirement, for your health. Okay? Here's the fifth one. And I hope you're enjoying this today, all right? Because these are just some uh, practical life lessons that ministry has really taught me. And, and maybe just maybe God's giving you a little butt kicking in some of these areas that you're going to need to sure up on. And that's okay. We, we can always be coached. All of us can get better. The minute that you think that you've arrived, you've arrived, you've stopped growing. Uh, so I say it like this, the most successful people that I know are teachable. The most unsuccessful people that I know are unteachable. And that's not, we don't want to be that. And that's not who you are. All right. Here's the fifth thing. And uh, I, I love this because this is so true. Life is not easy. So roll with it. Man, yeah, life's not easy. If, if I, you know, typically when people reach out to me, it's when life has gotten really tough. Uh, whether that's a, you know, a, a death in the family that has been unfortunate. Um, maybe they've, they've lost a job. Maybe there's uh, a spouse is, is walking out on them. Um, it, life's not easy. And the seat that I sit in, I have seen a lot of pain in people's um, lives. Listen, what, regardless of what you've observed on the outside in other people's lives, it's, life is tough. Social media, I, isn't it true? Come on. Social media is a lie. 
No one's life is as good as they portray it on social media. I'm going to tell you, my life is not as good as uh, what people... So I'll give you an example of this. Uh, I went to a missions uh, gathering just the other week. Last, just last week, uh, I went to Colorado. And you know, I was there with about you know, 75 other key leaders in America. Um, uh, and we prayed, planned, um, dreamed, strategized about how to reach Africa for Jesus. And really the world. In fact, one of the guys that, I, that was there, he, um, he oversees 27,000 missionaries and 309,000 churches. That's a lot of responsibility. And so I'm, I mean, I'm with these guys, uh, but you know, the pictures, I, I put some pictures out on social media of, you know, Tatum and I, and, uh, and our executive pastor and his wife, Jeff and Kathy, you know, and, and I put some pictures out there that we were, you know, hiking through some of the, the, the terrain there in Colorado. And it was beautiful. I mean, it was beautiful, but the truth is that we had about an hour to do that in two days worth of meetings. So most of my time was spent in the hotel room writing the message that I needed to get done for Sunday because we had just moved and life was crazy. And so by the time we got on a plane and got to the place, I'm going through meetings and got to, got to write the message. But yet anybody on social media would think, oh, you guys went up there and just had a great, great time. And we did. But most of it, most most all of it was was work. Listen, nobody's life is as good as they say. And if you only knew what other people are going through, you'd be a whole lot kinder. Yeah. So the reality is, is that life is tough. It, it's tough for you. It's tough for me. Um, that's a fact. And so just accept it. Roll with it. No matter who you are. I... I love what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians. He says, man, I've worked. This is 2 Corinthians 11, 23 through 28. He said, I've worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I've received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night in and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I've been in, I've been in danger from rivers, in dangers uh, from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all of the churches. Hey, everybody, life is it's tough. It's tough for you. It's tough for me. And that's why when life really throws at you, it's very best. It's worst. Let me say it like that. Roll with it, no matter who you are. Uh, I love that old uh, quote. It says this, that smooth seas never create great sailors. Smooth seas never create great sailors. And in fact, it's the storms, it's the difficulties that honestly reveal some things that are on the inside of you. 
so it's when the pressure is turned on and the difficulty is uh, are all around. That's when you actually get. That's where, where you get to see what's really on the inside of of you. And when and when life is is tough, everybody, put your faith in a faithful God. Keep walking forward. You know, we we all go through difficulty. I know that I do. I, I know that there's days that I just think, huh, I don't know if I, I don't know if I can put another foot step in in front of of the other because there's challenges. I mean, there's challenges all around, and there's so many different demands on your life, and people, um, you know, drawing on this because folks are going through this, and then there's, you know, uh, whether it's with you know the the building happening or people's lives that are just going through difficulty, or you know, bringing the message every single week that'll touch every single person's life, and then all the other things of leading a growing team and hiring folks, and ah. Uh, it's such a privilege to do it, but it can sometimes be overwhelming because there's so many different things that are happening. And uh, that's where I've just decided that I'm going to just be like water on a duck's back. I'm just going to shake it off, keep my eyes on Jesus. In fact, in our new, um, we've not had offices <laughs> in years, and we are so excited to finally have offices because we just... We we feel like the uh, the Hebrew nation wandering through the desert right now. As far as our pastor pastoral staff, we, we don't we don't have offices. But one of the things that I've asked um, the, the the individual that is theming out our new expansion, our building, is I want one word in my new office or my my first office, and I just said I want the word finish. I, I just want it there because I I want to roll with the punches. Uh, I don't want to give up. Paul said in 2 Timothy, he said, I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I have kept the faith. And there's a lot of people that I know that have started. It doesn't take any effort to start. It takes a lot of effort to finish. And not just to finish, to finish well. And hey, everybody, we're going to do that together. You and I, we're going to walk into heaven together. And it's going to be the greatest day to be able to bow down in front of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and just to hear those two simple words from him, well done. I, I, I just want to hear those words, and I just want to see him smile. I want to see him smile at me, and I want him to say, well done. And so, hey, everybody, keep doing what God has called you to do. Keep running your race. Don't you dare give up. God's got more on the end. See, the reason why the devil is trying to, to fight you so badly is because he knows of the destiny on the inside of you. So don't don't stop. In fact, when the enemy attacks me, I almost I almost sometimes say it out loud. I almost say, I, I speak it back to my spiritual enemy. I say, thank you very much. What a compliment that you are attacking me like you are. What a compliment that you are trying to discourage me or trying to trip me up. Because he would never do that to somebody that is um going in the same direction as he as he is. No, he's gonna fight those that are standing for the Lord. And how many of you all know we we serve a great God that is with us every step of the way. And so just be encouraged by that today, that God is with you. His angels are around you. The Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. And you can't help but win today because it's impossible to defeat somebody whose affections are in heaven.
That's true. You can take that to the bank. It's impossible to defeat somebody whose affections are in heaven. So, hey, everybody, um, we are out of time today. We're going to have to finish up the next five uh, of these 10 life lessons that ministry has taught me. And I hope that you've enjoyed today. And if you have, come on, give give uh, give some five stars on the podcast. Share it. Come on, everyone. Help us spread the word. Share the information about the podcast. And uh, man, what an honor it has been to be able to speak into your life today. And so I just pray that God's best and his presence would be with you all day and all week long. So we'll see you back here next week. God bless you, everybody. Bye-bye.